My name is Dean and welcome to Theo Live, a live YouTube show airing every Monday where we talk about theology, church, and culture. Now let's get into it. So do Christians have to love everybody? That's what we're talking about today. We're talking about what it actually means to love people and what are like the categories. Because a lot of us, uh, we, we think about, well, we should love God. That's pretty easy, right? Like, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. All of that. Uh, you should love your neighbor, which we'll talk a little bit more about that today. Uh, and you should, you know, love your spouse. That's that's obvious. Like your family, your friends. Greater love hath no man than this. Then he laid down his life for his friends. Those are pretty clear biblically. But what about other Christians? I know a lot of you are probably like looking at your screen and being like, well, that's just about as obvious as the other ones. Well, today we're going to be talking about uh, a little bit of confusion when it comes to how far we say that we love other Christians and uh, talking about some Twitter beef, always fun, always fun when you get to talk about the Twitter beef and, uh, you know, not getting into like character stuff, but looking at what people said publicly and asking ourselves some questions. I think actually there was this conversation between Josh Bice and uh, Beth Moore this weekend uh, about love and uh, it started from like some weird tweets. We'll get into it in a minute. Uh, but that conversation actually, I think, uh, will, will really help us when we think about how we interact with one another, like via distance like this, you know, none of you guys are here. I hope not. Are you like peeking in through the windows? That's weird. <laughs> Um, Hey, but you know, if you're going to be doing that, you might as well hit the button, you know, hit the like button while you're here and you're peeking into the stream, seeing what's going on. Uh, But we're going to be talking about some Twitter beef. We're going to be having some fun with it. I think actually it'll help us in knowing how to interact with people, especially when it comes to being online. Online is a big deal. So all that being said, let's start off with like a little fun one. Well, you know, sometimes it takes a little bit for people to hop into the stream and hop into the chat and stuff. So uh, here's here's something that like uh, I I almost did it today. If you if if you listen to the podcast, like if you're listening just the audio version, you're missing out. Okay, I'm glad that you're there. I'm glad that you're liking it. Also, hey. Do me a favor, people. Go over to uh, like whatever podcast catcher, uh, Apple Podcasts, whatever, whatever you use. Overcast is my favorite. Go on to one of those. Write a review of uh, Theo Live there. Uh, give me, give me all the stars, all the stars. I want all the stars. Uh, I'm going Thanos with the stars. Give me all of them. Uh, but if you're listening to the audio, you're kind of missing out. YouTube is where it's at because I show stuff. And uh, right now I'm showing a picture of me with my razor about to shave my beard off. What made me think about shaving my beard off? If you follow me on Twitter, you already know. I'm just plugging myself today, guys. Like, <laughs> go on to the podcast stuff. Go on to Twitter. Follow me at Dean Lentini. Hit me up on Instagram at Grumpy Baptist. We could have some conversations. Been having some good chats with people via Instagram messaging. So uh, do all that kind of stuff. But what made me almost shave the beard off? Well, a little thing. This I, I called it a story in reverse. 
Okay, so here I am about to shave my beard off. You can see the emotions. I mean, it brought out so many emotions. A lot of things I've been processing over the last year, I guess. And uh, here's me being surprised. So here's what made me. Oh, did you see it? Oh, no. What happened here? All right. Desiring God. They did it again. Uh, they they have this article <laughs> that they wrote today. And my wife sent it to me. And I thought I thought she was kidding. You know, like there's like these fake accounts on Twitter talking about like, hey, you know, this TGC, it's a pitch bot, you know, like that's just like articles that TGC would write or, you know, other companies, uh, other media outlets, I guess. Christianity Today probably has one. Uh, but uh, I thought it was one of those. She sent me it and I was like, that's that's got to be someone mocking that. This is Photoshop. That's not real, right? <laughs> like, nope, apparently. Apparently, that's where we're at with theology. We're just kind of done with it. <laughs> and we'd much rather talk about beards. Now, you know, don't get me wrong. Like, you guys, everyone who's on YouTube, not the audio listeners, but everyone on YouTube, you can see. You know, I got I got myself, a, I think, a good-looking beard. It's taken me a long time to grow it. It grows very slow, but it's a pretty long beard. I, I'm a fan of beards. I, I was walking around uh, Regina, which is the capital of Saskatchewan. I was walking around just a couple weeks ago, went over there, birthday stuff, like walking around town with my fam, doing some fun things. I like going over there, being pretending like I'm a big city guy. It's not that big of a city, but it's the biggest city we got, or at least the best city that we got. All you people in Saskatoon are now hating. But uh, I was walking around, just having some fun, and there was this guy who just had this amazing beard i mean like gave me like some real beard envy like it was like down to like his chest he he was it was glorious and i I just went over to him and i just said hey man i just want to say i respect your beard i respect you and then i walked away and he was smiling and laughing Uh, but that's that's what happens when you see that glorious of a beard so i understand you know thought about you know doing this joke again of just being like hey internet and like using my beard brush can you hear it some asmr theology going on today um (laughs) but uh like i love i love my beard i love beards i think it's cool but like (laughs) desiring god took that and like wrote this weird weird article uh part of it i think is jest okay uh (laughs) I think that it, I think that Greg Morse, uh, who wrote the article, you can see like it's blurry picture, but he's he's got a beard, so I think part of this is joking, but I also think that he's partly serious, <laughs> and he kind of says it like he starts talking about different people in the Bible with beards, and you know how it's like this manly trait when it comes to David and his men and things like that. And then he starts talking about, like, what about the people without beards? And uh, so this would include women. <laughs> and this would include, like, uh, a lot of guys. Like, I would say for the most part of my life, uh, me. Like, I had a little chin strap. It didn't didn't do me any favors, y'all. <laughs> I thought, oh, I can't grow a beard because my mustache is weird. Uh, I, little did I know. 
all right, how, how bad I really looked and how I needed to grow that mustache. <laughs> but, um, that's beside the point, but there's, there's like this stuff about, uh, the beardless. And then he starts like, Oh, like a lot of that stuff is like him joking. I would assume, but then all of a sudden he gets like real serious about it, about how having a beard is like innately manly. And uh, I'm, I, I, don't know what to do with it. Okay. <laughs> like I just saw it this morning, made a couple jokes about it with my wife. And then I was like, I guess I'll talk about it a little bit, mostly because I think it's crazy that we're talking about this stuff. Like there's so much going on in the world. <laughs> like there's, there's so much like that is like wrong in Christianity right now. And so much wrong with like platforms. And, you know, I did a stream last week about like our disastrous. And I really meant it. That wasn't like YouTube exaggeration language. That was me really meaning it, that there's a lot of just messed up stuff that's happening in platforming Christianity, like, uh, of media outlets, uh, of, uh, speaking events, all kinds of stuff. And rather than talk about like hypocrisy and deal with real theological issues, here we are on desiring God, like making like I think it probably started out as like a joke and then just kind of morphed into, no, I think I'm actually going to hold this position because he says things like this. Why did God make men with the capacity to grow beards? Why grow beards at all? Or why not give them to children and women? Like some speculate of the dwarves of middle earth. Enough of this stuff. Y'all, we don't have to throw in Tolkien every five seconds with our articles. It is not because God delights in the distinctions he made, the day and the night, the land and the water, the heavens and the earth, the man and the woman. Good. For centuries, he hid the uh, chromosomal, man, uh, I ain't smart enough for that kind of language, signatures in every cell in our bodies, chromosomal, that's what that word is, um, cell in our bodies where only he could delight in them. But he did not leave himself without a witness, even to the unscientific. He shaded the man's face. Weird language. <laughs> he shaded the man's face with his pencil from the very beginning. With ecstasy of Adam observing the beautiful and smooth face of Eve like me, yet not. This appreciation is under assault in many places today. Figuratively speaking, our culture dislikes everything about beards. Like, where have you been living? Okay. <laughs> like... I don't understand where that's coming from at all because like the last like decade it's been all about beards and especially amongst like reformed folk like like it's this way like like these guys like it's 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 a big deal there's like a whole industry like you can go on Amazon and see thousands of beard brushes you can if you just go onto Instagram and just type in beard once and just like time yourself of how many months it'll be before you stop seeing beard stuff <laughs> on your Instagram feed. Like it's everywhere. It's a huge, it's a huge thing. So I don't, I don't understand that at all. We paste false beards on women and shave the beards of men. So this is where I'm saying like it went, I think from a joke to like him trying to build some like warped view of masculinity through having a beard or not catechizing the children that there isn't any difference hair is just hair with enough hormones anyone can grow them claiming to be wise we became fools like 
what is happening right now? <laughs> Exchanging the glory of God for images. And now we barter away from our own. That makes literal beards, in my opinion, worth having. So this is his conclusion. Like he might have been like joking about some of it, but it's his conclusion. That makes literal beards, in my opinion, worth having. Beards protest against a world gone mad. In other words, beards beard. All right. Someone's trying to like make like we have a book. <laughs> they testify in their own bristly way that sex distinctions matter, that manhood will not be so easily shaven, shorn or chopped by the hurons of the world. It's itchy and cheeky voice bears witness male and female. He created them. <sighs> I want to know what you think. Okay. Hop into the chat or if you're watching this on the replay, let me know in the comments, what do you even do with something like this? Like, you know, we're going to talk about some like flippancy in a minute. And to me, this is about as flippant, like, because you're taking like a joke. Like I'm, I'm pretty sure, like maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he was being serious the whole time, but there's like a lot of just like, puns that he makes about beards that makes me think like I don't think he was being serious for a lot of this article and then at the end he just says no nah, it's theology now it's part of my you know idea of what it means to be man it's part of my anthropology now uh and like it's so flippant when it comes to theology that you literally like you you make jokes of some texts and then you just come out with conclusions that are pretty disassociated from any of the texts that he references. And to me, that's like just being super flippant about the Bible and the ideas of theology, like how we do theology and just saying like, I like beards. So every man should have a beard if you can grow it. Like there is some talk about how some people can't grow a beard. Like, like why do we have to do this? <laughs> like why do we have to have articles like this? I, I think it's attention grabbing. And I mean, like it works. Okay. I'm, I'm here on YouTube talking about it. So I guess that it worked today, but I just don't understand why we have to like make everything like, all right, if a guy does one thing, that's what it means to be manly. It's, it's one of those things again, where we're starting to like, take like these, like really we're telling on ourselves again of like what we think it means to be manly. And like, maybe your mom bought brawny a lot growing up. And so what you think to be manly is like the brawny guy, you know, like the lumberjack with the beard. And like, maybe, maybe that's what you think. And so you're just like putting it into the Bible and we can't do theology that way. And even when it comes to like social norms and like how we view men and women, we can't do that because really what we're doing is we're taking our own thoughts and saying that it's God's thoughts. And that is totally contrary to how we do theology. Because we want God to speak to us. And we want God to reveal to us what he wants for us. And even when it comes to like the distinctions between men and women. Like we need to be very careful that we're not adding to what the Bible says. So things like being a lumberjack. Chopping your own wood. You know, having fireplaces. That's what it looks like to be manly. No, it isn't. And we don't have anything in scripture that says anything like that. Even the scripture references that he uses, 
Like it's so disassociated with any kind of logical argument when it comes to this idea of what it means to be a man. Because there are plenty of people, plenty of people throughout Christian history who didn't have a beard and they were plenty manly. <laughs> but man, it's just it, it, like I saw it and I was kind of shocked. <laughs> like just that, wait, like it's one thing to have like an article that you're just not going to agree with. It's another thing to see an article like this that's like so childish, so like naive, but also like, like they're, I think they're trying to be that way. And it makes me wonder like who it's for and what they're trying to do with their audience. Like it seems like the kind of thing that's going to like, I know it's silly because we're just talking about beards, but the, like the philosophy seems like something that's like meant to like radicalize people into like just getting, you know, riled up about this idea of masculinity and like what it looks like. And yeah, you know, people are saying we shouldn't have beards. Like, I don't know what your context is. Uh, what's, what's your name? Uh, Greg Morse, but like, I mean, I'm, I'm seeing beards everywhere. I'm seeing products for beards everywhere. I'm seeing it being like a huge trend. Look at like the top movie stars in the world. Let's just go off that. How many of them have beards? Jason Momoa, Aquaman. He's got a great beard, a pirate kind of looking beard. Um, but let's let's see what you guys have to say here in the chat before we get into the meat of the episode. Uh, talking about Beth Moore and Josh Bice. Uh, Luke Daly is here. Hey, Luke. Hey, congratulations, bud. You might not have th- thought that I saw it. But I saw it. You crossed 100 subscribers. That's a big deal. Uh, I love Twitter beef, right? It's it's a little bit fun. Um, Proverbs 17.11 is here, and it says, Hey, Dean. Hey, man. How's it going? I'm assuming man. I don't know. Proverbs 17.11 might not be. But, uh, hey, how's it going? <laughs> John Adams is here. Twitter beef. It's what's for dinner. <laughs> beef. Man. I guess if you Sam Elliott doesn't have a beard, but that guy's manly. Okay. Have you seen, like, what was the movie, like, The Hero or something like that when he was, like, a old-school Western movie star? Great movie. Beef, it's what's for dinner. I can't do it. I wish I had a sure SM7B. Then I can pretend that my voice is really deep. It's not. That's why I grew the beard, so I could be manly. <laughs> Beards are a slippery slope. <laughs> I mean, depends. You know, how much oil are you putting in those beards? I guess he referenced Aaron and and the oil, which made me go like, is is this a joke? <laughs> but uh, Mac is here and says hi. Looking forward to today's subject. Yeah, we'll get we'll get into it in just a second here. Uh, Luke, desiring God did it again. <laughs> but did you know that Matthew Everhard did make a biblical theology of beards? No, I don't watch Matthew Everhard that much. I respect what he's doing. Uh, he seems like a really solid guy but I don't watch very much of him, but I'm going to have to search out that video. Thanks, Luke. Uh, Phil, uh, God in his sovereignty has decided to curb my pride by not allowing me to be able to grow a beard. All right. What I'll, I'll just say, like, I respect it. If you can't grow a beard, you can't grow a beard, but if you want to grow a beard, just do it. Even if it looks awful, (laughs) just do it. (laughs) Like just talk. If you have a significant other, talk to your significant other and just be like, look, for the next six months, I'm not going to look great. <laughs> but maybe at the end, I'm I'm going to look even better. Do you love me? 
let's go with this. <laughs> so uh, that's kind of what I did because for a long time I couldn't grow a beard. I've talked about that before, like, like chin strap, all that kind of stuff. I was thinking like, I'll never be able to have a cool beard and not that my beard is the best. It's patchy. Okay. Uh, I, I, I know how to fluff it. <laughs> all right. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it took a long time. That's what I, really what I'm saying. So if you want to try, go for it. If you can't and you've already tried and you're just like, you know, sitting there crying into your, you know, you know, you don't have a beard to cry into. What do you got? Like mustache. Maybe you're crying into your mustache. Like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for you. John Adams, uh, that beard brush better be made out of boar's hair. <laughs> I don't know, man. It's probably one of the cheapest ones that I could find. Armex is not a fan of beards. Lots of people aren't, you know. But I guess that just means you're not a fan of manliness. Uh-oh. Harrison Family Values. Hey, I shaved my face, stash, and beard a few years ago, and I literally scared the children I worked with. LOL. I looked like a different person. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's awesome. That would probably happen at this point with my kids. I've had a big beard for a couple years now. Like, started growing it mm, 20, like I had a beard in 2018, I think. And then 2019, I was like going for a year and it didn't last a year um, because eventually like I'm never going to have one of those beards that goes all the way down because it just gets really patchy and I can't fluff it properly. So, you know, a lot of beard talk today. Um, <laughs> we'll, we'll, tra we'll transition in a sec. Stick with us. Okay. Stick with me. Uh, Armac, a lot of messed up stuff in Christianity today. How we wish that was not true, but praise God for those who hold to his truth. Yeah. Lots, lots of stuff going on. I think that we have more important stuff to talk about than beards. Uh, but John Adams says, no, bearded men are the most oppressed people. Rise up, bearded men. <laughs> oh, man. Just so you know, that is a joke. David Collins. Hey, man. Uh, hey, Dean, this is so foolish. The Bible is not based on 21st century Western aesthetics. Like what? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. <laughs> Just kidding. Yeah, totally agree. Uh, it's one of those things that we do. We read it back into the text, our culture. And it's just a simple thing of context, of understanding the context of when something was written and uh, not bringing your context and stuffing it back into the text. It's a classic exegetical fallacy, but a lot of people do it, apparently even desiring God writers. Uh, Luke, but what about the women that can grow beards? There's a lot of pop. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Luke's Luke's trying to get me in trouble. Uh, Luke is really trying to get me in trouble because I'm Italian and I almost made a joke, uh, but my sisters would kill me. Uh, Philip, just do it. Yeah, yeah. Like basically, Shia LaBeouf this thing and grow a beard. Just do it. Uh, I need to have that. Need to add that to the stream deck. I'm just being able to go there. Oh man. Uh, and David, David's finding it all hilarious. All right. So all that being said, that was just like us just messing around. I, I just saw it and was like, oh my goodness, I, I need to talk about this thing. But really what I want to talk about today is what happened on Twitter. All right. Let's talk about some Twitter stuff. Let me know what you think. Are you on Twitter, by the way? Are you, are you there? You should hook up with me on Twitter, you know, at Dean Lentini. You know, I say some stuff, maybe, maybe not everything you'd agree with, but we could have some fun. Uh, let's look over at what Beth Moore had to say. And, uh, this, I gotta be honest, 
uh, not a fan <laughs> of what, what she had to say here. Um, but she said, uh, when was this? I cropped out the dates. Um, but Beth Moore said this, uh, like a while back, this was maybe like a week ago, maybe even two weeks ago. I don't know. Um, but she tweeted this picture of grapes from her vineyard. She has a vineyard, I think. And so she's growing grapes and she says, I'm growing grapes for reals. It's like a miracle in 50 jillion degree weather. If Jesus is trying to get me to have a crush on him, it's working. Now, I just talked about how, you know, a joke can quickly become like irreverent. Uh, and I think that's what happened with the beard article. It became irreverent because he started using scripture to justify a joke. I think now maybe again, he was being totally serious the whole time. Uh, but I think that's what happened. Uh, and then, you know, quickly went off the rails. This kind of stuff can quickly go off the rails. Uh, like I get that Beth Moore is making a joke and you know, I like to make jokes. I try. <laughs> Some people would be like, Dean, you are awful <laughs> when it comes to jokes. Uh, don't try it. I, I, I try to do like the, like really like sarcastic kind of stuff, you know, like I've got, I've got some really dark humor. Okay. <laughs> but, uh, like, like if you start coming at me with like a joke book, you're probably not going to make me laugh once. Like I don't find those things to be witty. But, you know, like I'm a, I'm a fan of comedy. It just has to be good comedy. And to me, this isn't good comedy. <laughs> like, I actually like a lot of what Beth Moore has said and done. I know some of you guys are going to come at me for that. And that's fine. We could have discussions about it. Um, I, I like a lot of what she does online. Uh, and I think she's actually pretty funny. Like a lot of her tweets are pretty funny, at least to me. Um, but... She says this, if Jesus is trying to get me to have a crush on him, it's working. And to me, uh, I view that as being irreverent to Jesus. Like, I don't think it's good to make jokes. Like, we could joke about some aspects of our theology. Like, if Genuine JC hops into the chat, you, you probably know I'm going to make, like, at least one baptism joke. You know? <laughs> like, it, it's probably going to happen. Or if someone's talking about Presbyterian theology... Or if someone's going on cross politic and saying crazy stuff, I ain't even going there. It was just too crazy for me. All right. I was like, nope. <laughs> uh, I don't watch that stuff. I just saw it on Twitter and was like, what? Um, but, you know, I'm going to make jokes about Presbyterians. It's We're going to have fun. You know, I love you guys. And I know that you guys are smarter than me. <laughs> okay. Like, I get it. All right. You don't need to say it in the chat. I just know. I make the jokes and you just roll with them. And inside, I know that you're more intelligent than I am. So that's like, we have this understanding. All right. Uh, so I like humor, but this is where it goes too far. When you start making jokes, not just about like baptism or something that's like, I don't know, uh, just like a secondary issue uh, of theology or like really anything that's not about God. When it comes to talking about God, we need to be reverent. Like, uh, I just did a stream a couple weeks ago about Bethel and heresy songs and like, like, <laughs> that was a weird way to say it, <laughs> but <laughs> heretical songs. Um, uh, and really like the idea of worship, we need to be very careful about worship. Like, because our God is a serious God. 
Now, he also makes some jokes, all right? Talking out of a donkey, come on. <laughs> like, this is pretty good. <laughs> but, uh, like, we know, and even look at what Jesus says to the Pharisees sometimes. And you're just like, come on. You know he was being sarcastic. Jesus is funny, all right? God is funny. But at the same time, how he talks with us, he wants reverence. And like, you don't see people talking back to God in the Bible in ways like this. You just don't like, you don't see jokes. You see fear and trembling. And I think that's important when we're talking about God, when we're trying to have a conversation with people about like, you know, something of, uh, of his, his character, his works. I think it's very important for us to be very careful about how we speak about God because he's the same God guys. He's the same God in the old Testament who literally kills people when, when they touch the Ark of the covenant, like that's a serious thing. And he is that same serious God. Now, again, there's humor in the Bible. So we know that God is joyful that there is like, he has a sense of humor. So I'm not saying we have to like live our lives in fear. He's not a tyrant God. Okay. But the way that we talk about him personally, I think that this is inappropriate. I think it's an inappropriate joke about Jesus and also something that a lot of people do wrong. All right. Like Beth Moore knows, like there's a lot of worship songs that are totally like Jesus is my boyfriend, you know, like, like they talk about him, like in this like erotic kind of way, as if it was like some kind of romantic relationship between us and Jesus. And it just gets weird. You know, I was talking about this on Bible Rhythms last Friday about uh, the Song of Solomon and how some people take that book and they they make it really weird. (laughs) Like, not just awkward, because Solomon's talking about his wife there, all right? And there's some awkward parts, because we're talking about body parts, and it gets real awkward real fast when you're talking to a group. Uh, But some people, they don't want to do that, so they say Jesus and and the church that's really what it's about it's like this metaphor uh that gets real weird you move from awkward to weird and a lot of people in their worship songs have done this they've made it like like really really weird about how they talk about jesus in their worship songs because they're really talking about jesus as if you were not like in this um well here here's something all right if you don't know like the different kinds of love in the Bible. Don't go and read like, I don't know, Gary Chapman's like five love languages. Like, the, psh, psh, psh. All right. No. <laughs> go read The Four Loves by C.S. Lewis. This is a great book to help you understand how the Bible talks about love and what that actually means, especially when it comes to our love for God. Uh, and I think this would be really helpful in dealing with stuff like this, okay? Uh, where's where's my hand? There, right there. All right. Uh, talking about you know this idea of having a crush on Jesus. Um, that's not that's not a biblical way to talk about Jesus. It's not what it means for Jesus to love the church. And for some of you guys who interpret Song of Solomon that way, uh, this is the kind of danger that that is out there for that uh, misunderstanding Jesus's love for the church and the different kinds of metaphors that the Bible actually uses for that. So that all being said, like I disagree with the tweet, um, but you know, like it's not like I'm going to like make a video about a tweet like this. 
I don't see the point in that. And like, like if if we're gonna do that, then we're gonna make videos about literally everything, right? Like, there's just gonna be video after video of things I disagree with, which isn't it's not fun for anybody. Um, but uh, apparently, Josh Bice, uh, which I hope I'm saying that right. People have corrected me several times about uh, how to pronounce his name. Uh, I think I tried. Um, I don't even know what I tried. I'm going to go with Bice for now. <laughs> but uh, he he tweeted this. Uh, when I pointed out that Beth Moore uh, shouldn't be crushing on the Son of God, rather than clarifying, she tweeted out that some of us wouldn't be receiving any of her grape Christmas jelly. Someone in our church gifted me with an early Christmas present last night at church. Okay, there's a couple things I want to point out from this. Uh, I think Josh was right. Okay, let me... Let me some of you guys are really going to want, I wish I could like zoom in. Can I zoom in? I think I can zoom in. Nope. I, uh, nope. I'm not, I'm not going to mess around with that stuff. <laughs> I'm going to mess up the whole stream. Um, but I think Josh was right about having issues with this tweet, uh, about this idea of having a crush on Jesus. Now, again, Beth Moore has a million followers on Twitter. A million. I uh, I don't know. I'm, I might be blanking, but I don't know of anyone else uh, who is actually like doing ministry, not like speaking at conferences. Okay. But like, like involved with church stuff, like in their own lo local church, she's involved in her own local church. Um, not a pastor. Okay. Some of you guys are like typing it already. <laughs> yeah. She's claiming the pastor for herself, even though she doesn't have a beard. Um, <laughs> but uh, she's involved. And I don't know of anyone else who has a million uh, followers, any Christian leader who is involved in their local church who has a million followers. Now, maybe there are people, I don't know, how many does Rick Warren have? Probably 10 million. I don't know. What did he say from the SBC floor? <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> it's just a joke. Uh, I had a video about it. Anyways, so like, I think it's fair game to criticize that that tweet. Now, I don't, I don't want to make a video about it, but I don't even want to tweet about it. But, you know. Some people do, whatever. Public figure is basically what I'm trying to say here. Um, but he did. And uh, then she she tweeted out, you know, no one's getting my my jelly this this Christmas. You you lost out. And, you know, that's that's fair. That's funny. And uh, here I think is kind of like just like a dunk on her. Like, I don't I don't understand this. Like, this seems just kind of mean to just be like, huh, someone gave me some because I was talking about it. Like. All right, maybe that happens. And like pastors, you know this. Like some some congregants, like they they really like it when you talk about other people. It's like you know people on here. You guys like it when I start talking about public figures, and some of you guys really like it when I like go at somebody. And I don't try to go at them for their character. I try to go at them for something that they said or did. Um, but you know, I know that some of you guys really like that. So I, I, I totally believe that this happened. Um, cause congregants, some congregants are going to be like, ha I remember my dad, um, like my pastor growing up was always talking about Joel Osteen, like always like Joel Osteen, he's coming for us, <laughs> you know, like that big smile, he's coming for us. Um, and, uh, so I remember my dad found, uh, like some kind of like game, at like Ross or Marshall's and uh, brought it to him that had Joe Osteen on it. It was like a Joe Osteen game 
And so, like, I get it that that stuff happens. But I don't know why you got to go on to Twitter about that and make a joke. It seems like just kind of dunking on somebody. Um, but, you know, Beth Moore, she's, she's going to defend herself a little bit. So let's look at this interaction. And uh, let's, we'll ask ourselves, I think, some really important questions uh, once we get to the end here. But Beth says, okay, Josh, but it won't be nearly as good as mine. P.S. You're going to have to learn to lighten up a little bit. I was being silly, and I think you even knew that. You may as well get used to me. We'll have eternity together. So she's basically saying, look, I was joking. You know that. Let's move on kind of a deal. And Josh says, I'm rather lighthearted. Just ask my staff, which... i don't know i don't know how he like said it like or probably didn't say it just how he was typing but that reads really weird (laughs) like i'm a really funny guy just ask the people i pay you know like i know the church pays okay but it just it just sounded really funny when i when i read that uh but when it comes to theology there's no room for ambiguity that appears to be blasphemy uh, you could have been clear, but you can choose a different route. Um, I think that's really harsh. Uh, I I don't think that what Beth Moore said was uh, blasphemous. I I think that is dangerous conversation. I would say that it's inappropriate. Um, but I don't think that categorize like you can categorize that as blasphemy quite yet. It, it would go in that direction again. Like I said, very dangerous way of talking about Jesus or any of the persons of the Trinity. Uh, and she said, I'm sad you can't show me any good. Oh, oh, did I? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I'm sad you can't show me any goodwill lest you lose face. And I think that's important. We're going to talk about that here in a sec. Uh, when you've been a train wreck like me, it's easier to just have a lighthearted moment with someone on the other side. I pray God's blessing on you, Josh. We'll toast, get it, toast that grape jelly together in heaven. All right. So basically like, Hey, you know, like kind of bummed that you can't like show me like any grace in this and using harsh language like blasphemy. Um, I think that's, that's a fair thing to say. I think, uh, I'm happy to be lighthearted and chatted up over jelly and blonde roast coffee. But if you are employing crush in a verbal form toward God, the son, a brief, but intense and like, so basically gives like a definition, I guess. Um, uh, a brief but intense infatuation for someone, especially someone unattainable or inappropriate. At best, it's irreverent. Uh, to which I would say, like, that's what I would categorize it as. Irreverent. I wouldn't categorize it as blasphemous. Um, and I think I think using that language was purposeful, but that's beside the point. Uh, Josh, see there, blonde roast coffee. Now it took me a while to get that joke and he did not mean that joke. She's just that clever. Okay. <laughs> blonde roast. Cause she's kind of roasting, like he's kind of roasting a blonde. Uh, now that was funny. Touche. I'll foot the bill. I love you as my brother. And this is the important part. I love you as my brother in Christ and you love me as your sister, right? Yes or no. Uh, now is this kind of silly? Yes. Does it kind of sound like some things you would, you know, pass as a note in class to like in junior high? Do you want to be, <laughs> not that that's what's going on here, but do you want to be my boyfriend? Yes or no? Like that kind of a thing. It seems like that, but I understand what she's, what she's doing. Like she's trying to say like, Hey, we can agree to disagree. 
you, you respect me and I respect you, right? Like that's really, I think what was intended with that. Notice how he full on dodges. Okay. Full on dodges this question. Now, uh, should this have been an easy? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And we'll talk about who Christians are supposed to love here in just a second. But he decides to make it like a point to not answer that question. Uh, It's a very clear question. That's like what her tweet is all about. He is not dumb. And he just dodges it like crazy. He says, great. Free tickets to G3 National Conference 2023. Which, okay, promoting. Like that's, that's really what I think is going on here because he's interacting with someone who has a million followers. So yes, he's going to promote his conference because he's got the attention. That's what I think is going on. Uh, Josh, there's no room for ambiguity on matters of scripture. So kind of throwing it back at him when he's like, there's no ambiguity. When we talk about how we discuss, uh, uh, the Godhood. Uh, do you love me as your sister in Christ? Or do you love me even as your neighbor? Or for that matter, even as your enemy? I love you, Josh. Do you love me? Yes or no? So even more clear and gives him categories. Now, like he didn't have to say A, B, or C, I love you as this. He could have just said, yes, I love you. And then move on. But he chose not to. That was the end of his conversation with her, at least to my knowledge. I don't know what you know, goes on behind closed doors and all that kind of stuff. But, um, then he kept on tweeting about it. Uh, if you'd read the thread, you'd see this was in response to somebody. He, he got real defensive and I understand because a lot of people were coming for him because he couldn't even say that he loved another Christian. If you'd read the, the thread, you'd see that implied in my answer to Beth, the answer is why, but the category she gave me three options is based on conditions. I do love Beth as called by our Lord, but in a different way than I love my church members. Um, weird. <laughs> like I, like she didn't give you like those kinds of categories just as a Christian is how she put it as a brother or sister in Christ. Do you love me? And he refused to answer that. Uh, and here he's saying that it's more nuanced than that, which to me is very odd because a lot of these guys who fit into the camp with Josh Bice, Owen Strand, Vody Bauckham. I know a lot of people love Vody, um, but I would put him in that same camp. A lot of these G three guys, they don't, they don't really like nuance. Okay. Like they, they just kind of say things very like brash and as harsh as it can be, you know, kind of how Josh started it with talking about blasphemy right off the bat. Um, and saying like, basically that's what she was meaning by it, which I think is a bigger conversation. Like you need to have a conversation with that person before you say, Oh, you're blaspheming. Um, but you know, that's beside the point, but these guys, they're, they don't like nuance. They, they don't look at their tweets. There's not a lot of nuance there. Okay. They say things harshly to get a response. And, um, it's just interesting to me that he's like, when it comes to love though, When it comes to love, I need to nuance it a ton and starts making like a lot of these categories. And really what I want us to discuss here in a minute is whether these categories are biblical or not. Uh, But then he he decided to do this. He put a poll up. Uh, Did Paul love the Judaizers and encourage the church at Galatia to be unified together with the Judaizers in the love of Jesus? Now, it's his own tweet. 
so his own followers. So, of course, they're going to give him the response that he wants. And they said no. Uh, to which I don't, say how, I don't see how you can justify that biblically. Um, yes, Paul did love the Judaizers. But no, he didn't encourage them to be unified together with the Judaizers in the love of Jesus. All right, but he did love the Judaizers. Uh, you can see it in his writings of how much he, he's saying, like, hey, clean up your act. Like, this is, this is heresy that you guys are talking about. It is loving to give that truth. Now, these guys often will say that. Like, they, they want to talk about truth a lot. And say, oh, well, we got to talk about, you know, we got to give people the truth. And sometimes that means using really harsh language. So they do that. And they say that that is how we love people is to do that, uh, which I, I would agree in some ways. Not, I'm not saying like the, the ways that these guys often do it. Uh, but look at the bottom here. The point of this poll question is to demonstrate that we love people differently based on what they believe theological positions and this is where I just don't understand and where I want us to look at some scriptures. Okay. Uh, let's, let's look over here. Uh, we'll, we'll start somewhere else. Let's, let's start, uh, let's start here in John 13. All right. You, you know, this passage, you know, this passage is all right. Um, but let's, let's just look at this. I give you a new command. Love one another, just as I have loved you. You are also to love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. So here we have a command from Jesus to love other Christians. And it's one of the ways that we display who we belong to, that we belong to Jesus. So we love what Jesus loves, and Jesus loves his people. And so we love his people too. Now, what I think is happening, and that's really why I think that he, he talks about this idea of, um, you know, different kinds of love based on what they believe, their theological positions, is he's wanting to put Beth Moore outside the camp of Christianity. Now, again, I don't know what you think about Beth Moore. I, I think that probably a lot of people don't like her. Um, she's, she's a controversial figure. Okay. And there's a lot of stuff. I'm not, you know, saying like everything she's ever said is good and holy. Okay. Like I don't do that with pretty much anybody. Um, I, I'm not even going to do it with Joe Thorne. If he's watching, he's wait, what? <laughs> um, but like, I, I wouldn't do that for anybody. Cause I don't know everything that they've ever said. And like, I know that there's stuff that Beth Moore has said that I don't agree with, but there's nothing in there that's going to say, well, she ain't a Christian. All right. And if she's a Christian, then there's no nuance needed because Jesus gives us a command here. I give you a new command. Love one another just as I have loved you. All right. So often when we talk about like husbands and wives, we talk about, oh, look at Jesus talks to, um, to, uh, to, or Paul, Paul talks to the husband and says, you are to love the wife as Jesus loves his church. Okay. Like, and we, we make all kinds of sermon applications based off of that. 
this isn't any different. That we as Christians are to love one another just as Jesus loves you. That's a big deal. Like to that that same kind of love, that same kind of, if you want to get into the Greek and talk about different Greek words, which I mean like, you know, C.S. Lewis does. So I'm not like belittling that. But, you know, if we, we are to agape one another, like we, we are to agape one another to the same kind of effect that Jesus loves us. That's a lot. Okay. Like we're never going to get there. It's something that we strive forward toward. So that's everybody. All right. If you disagree with me and like, I've gotten a lot of hate over the Doug Wilson stuff, especially the short that I put out, which people are watching and I'm just kind of like, okay, I just leave it alone. <laughs> like I don't really interact with the comments on that one. Uh, but there's a lot of hate going on there and I'm supposed to love each and every one of the haters, if they belong to Jesus. Now, I don't know their personal life, but like that's, I'm assuming sometimes it's really easy to tell that someone probably doesn't belong. Okay. Um, like the way that they talk about people and cussing and different things that I try to delete when I get those kind of comments. But even the haters, you got to love. Actually, Jesus tells us, Matthew 5, to, to love our enemies. Okay. Like, but here we have a command on like the kind of love that we are to have one another. And it's the same kind of love that Jesus has for us. So if Beth Moore belongs in the camp of Christianity, which I would say she does. Okay. I don't think that there's really any arguments that you could really make to say that she, like you could say, I don't agree with her teaching. You could say like, here's the thing. There are egalitarians in the camp. Okay. Like if we're talking about just Christians, there, there are egalitarians who are Christians. And you might be like, well, that's problematic hermeneutic. Yeah, I would agree with you. But that doesn't mean that they go as far as what other people say that they do. Okay, you got to have conversations with people. There are egalitarians who are firmly in the camp and you are to love them as Jesus loves you. That's the command from Jesus. That's not a command from Dean. That's not a command from Josh Bice, from Beth Moore. That's a command from Jesus. You are to love people that you disagree with. If they belong to Jesus, they belong to you, at least in your heart. Okay. You are to love them. Uh, and there's, there's so many other passages that you could look at. Look at Matthew 22. All right. This is kind of what reminded me of it. Uh, so when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they came together and one of them, an expert in the law, asked a question to test him. Teacher, which command in the law is the greatest? He said to him, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the greatest and most important command. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets depend on these two commands. Um, so we are to love everybody, every single person. And we're supposed to treat them like we would want to be treated. It's the golden rule, okay? It's biblical. You are to love people. And like it should have been an easy answer to just respond with, yes, of course. Of course I love you. And you don't have to nuance things. You don't have to, like this is the thing. I'm, I'm going to get to this place eventually. 
I'm losing, like there are, there are things that are ingrained in me from fundamentalism that even though in my mind, I left it years ago, it's still like, it's just locked in and I'm trying to get rid of it. Uh, there are certain things like always having to say, like, I don't agree with everybody or with this person on everything, but, and then talking about somebody, I need to lose it. Like, I don't have to say that. Of course that's true. Like that should be how everyone behaves. Like just because you say one positive thing about someone doesn't mean that you are saying everything that they've ever done is positive. That should be just common sense. But for some reason, I'm still holding on to that. And I think a lot of people are holding on to that when it comes to the idea of love, that they have all these restrictions that they put on people. Well, you have to agree with these theological positions. If we're going to talk about this idea based on what they believe, their theological positions, which ones? Which ones? Like, are we talking about baptism? Well, I don't think we're talking about baptism because I'm pretty sure he's cool with some Presbyterians. He has them come to the to the G3 conference. So we're not talking about those ones. So which theological positions are we talking about? And if we're talking about Christianity, then just say it. Uh, I think I think it's... Uh, if, you, if you're going to have that kind of a position, just come out and say it. That's, that's what I'll say. Um, but yeah. I, I think that there's so many scriptures that we could go to. Uh, of course, there's 1 John 4. Dear friends, let us love one another because love is from God, and everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God because God is love. God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent his one and only Son into the world so that we might live through him. Love consists in this, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the atoning sacrifice or propitiation for our sins. Dear friends, if God loved us in this way, we also must love one another. It's clear all over scripture that Christians are to love Christians. And it's so weird that I have to make a video to say that. <laughs> like, This is the most basic aspect of what it means to be a Christian. Because according to this passage, you know, we can debate nuances of different things. This is a core tenant of who God is. God is love. So yes, we are to love people. Does that mean we accept everything that they ever say is truth? No, of course not. No one's saying that, or at least I don't think anyone credible is saying that, especially when it comes to this conversation. But we can love one another and say it openly and not be scared about who sees us saying it online. If you are a Christian, I love you. I have, I have a love for you because of who you belong to because of what Jesus has done for you. And he has told me to love you. Now, if you are my enemy and let's be honest, the more I do YouTube, the more I get some the more I get enemies. I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> but if you're an enemy, I'm still supposed to love you because Jesus said to also love my enemies. Like in every one of these categories, you can say, yes, I'm supposed to love you. Like, it's ridiculous to withhold it and to say, oh, well, there's different kinds of loves. Now, in a practical way, you know, like I, I quote tweeted something that he said, one of these things. And well, that's uh, pragmatic uh, <laughs> because I think it was actually, I think it was this one, this, this, this end one. I think I quote tweeted it with, well, that's pragma uh, pragmatic because this is the guy who wrote the article about how pragmatism is like 
the worst and we can't ever be pragmatic and that's what's wrong with the SBC. Um, well, if you're going to <laughs> start talking about like these different levels of love, you are being pragmatic because those are not terms that the Bible has. All right. Now, in a very practical way, it is true. If you're going to be pragmatic about it, it is true <laughs> that I love my children differently than I love other Christians. That is accurate. Like that I have a tighter bond with my children than I do with just the like just an average Christian. That is accurate. Now, uh, does that mean that I don't love those people? No. It just means my love is different from from that. And in nowhere in this conversation was there any discussion about what kind of love that like would be there. She gave three categories. He didn't have to say any of them. He just said, yes, I love you. Like, and could have answered the question before, but he decided not to. And he took a stand and I'm sure all of his friends are going to pat him on the back for it. Um, but to me, I look at it and say, man, we can't even talk to each other anymore. If, if we can't say that we love Christians anymore, then I don't, I don't know what we're doing. <laughs> like, like it's just the, like the core aspect of what it means to be a Christian. And for some reason we can't do it. Now, I do think that there is an important conversation that needs to be had when it comes to, um, the ideas like, cause he brought up the Judaizers. Uh, so let, let's talk about that for a second. Like, should Christians love false teachers? Like, so let's transition. We're not talking about Beth Moore being a false teacher, okay? But, you know, some of you guys might be saying Beth Moore is a false teacher. Well, what is a false teacher? Let's let's answer that question first. And to do that, uh, let's hear from my good friend. Never met him. All right, but I read a lot. I read basically all of his books, like except for the devotional stuff. Um, but... Let's let's hear from R.C. Sproul and his friends about what it means to be a false teacher. When is a false teacher a false teacher is when he teaches falsehood. I, I would just add to that. Amen. But I think there is in the New Testament a clear uh, reservation of that, not just to one who teaches falsely, but who is uncorrectable, who resists correction. I mean, Apollos was a false teacher. Mm -hmm. But when he was corrected, when he was taught how to preach a better way, how to be more faithful to Scripture, he was corrected. So there's a difference between a false teaching, because just about any preacher starting out, especially, is going to teach something that's false. That's quite different than being, I think, a false teacher, uncorrected and uncorrectable. And, uh, and the chief thing with characteristic the of his teaching is falsehood. That's right. We all... Or make a, like Calvin said, no one theologian is ever more than 80% right. And the problem was, we don't know what it, which that 20% is. Of, oh, I love it. Uh, I love it. And then some of us, it's 50% or 60%. I think he was looking at J-Mac there. No, but I think, I think we need to say that there are some absolutely non-negotiable truths that you are false if you deny the Trinity if you deny the deity of Christ, if you deny his sinless life, substitutionary death, um, salvation by grace through faith, the gospel, um, I mean, that, that's the drivetrain of truth, saving truth. That, those are not negotiable. You can, you can misunderstand baptism or something like that. 
those we call See, errors. It's, it's fun. Her- it's fun to... Heresies. I mean, there's a difference between error and heresy. Heresy is something that strikes at the very heart of the gospel and of the truth. Like that end. Like, yeah, J-Mac got like the laughs, but like RC was being totally serious with his response and people kept laughing. But listen to this. We call errors, not her- heresies. I mean, there's a difference between error and heresy. Heresy is something that strikes at the very heart of the gospel and of the truth. Yes. Yes and amen. Okay. So a false teacher, uh, I think that these guys get it right. Okay. Uh, That these are people who teach falsely. Now, whether that's like a heretical belief, uh, which is what RC is getting at, a false teacher isn't someone who teaches wrongly. Okay. Like there is a distinction that the Bible makes between people who have an error in their theology versus false teachers. Like the Judaizers would be false teachers because they were taking the gospel and contorting it. Something so basic to the faith as grace, they were twisting, right? Uh, and bringing in law and legalism. So they they were totally mishandling the gospel to where it wasn't the gospel anymore. And that's what a false teacher is. Uh, now, that compare that with, um, you know, um, uh, Apollos. Uh, you know, get, get some things wrong, right? Doesn't quite understand baptism gets pulled aside. And all of a sudden, you know, he knows what to teach. Now, uh, Timothy had a couple of these moments. Uh, Peter, (laughs) the apostle Peter had one of those moments with Paul was Peter, a false teacher in that moment. When, when Paul had to confront him to his face about what he was doing, because it's yes about what you teach, but also how you live. If you are teaching the right things in the pulpit and then you commit all kinds of crimes, which let's be honest, like this isn't that far fetched. Okay. This happens all the time. Um, you know, pastors who, you know, hold conservative theology and they go into the pulpit and they say all kinds of things that people would say yes and amen to And then they go and live terrible lives to where, you know, they are not a Christian. That is a false teacher because they are living falsely. They are not living out the gospel and you can't have gospel culture without gospel doctrine. You can't have gospel doctrine without gospel culture. These things go hand in hand. There's a debate going on right now about, uh, the, the ideas of sanctification connection to justification, justification first, sanctification always after perseverance of the saints, I guess. But, uh, there, there's a difference between having errors in your theology versus having heresy or living heretically. Uh, so that's what a false teacher is. So I can look at Beth Moore and I don't agree with her on everything. And so I would say that I, like, I think that she teaches wrongly, but I also look at someone as much as I love him, RC Sproul, I thought taught wrongly about baptism because I'm a Baptist y'all. <laughs> like, like we have disagreements, but just because we have disagreements doesn't mean that that person is a false teacher. It needs to be more about the center of our theological system, the gospel. And if it's about the gospel, you get the gospel wrong and you're teaching a false gospel. You are a false teacher. Or if you're not living that gospel, but you're teaching, uh, you know, the knowledge of the gospel rightly, but you're living it out in horrific ways. You're not living it out. You're, you're doing all kinds of awful things and just being a complete hypocrite. Then I would also categorize you as a false teacher. 
Now, is that Beth Moore? Some of you, I think, would probably say yes. And I don't quite understand why. I know that there's been some discussion in the chat. Uh, let's let's continue to have some love for one another on this channel, at least. I can't I can't guarantee it out in the world. Okay, <laughs> I can't guarantee it on Twitter. Uh, and you know, sometimes you got to say some stuff on Twitter. I get that. Uh, but let's let's have some love for one another. I will see you around the internet.